Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Hey, let me encourage you to come over the next couple of weeks, next Sunday, the next Sunday. It's going to be some special Sundays coming up, so if you have like trips planned or cruises, I'd just go ahead and cancel those because <laughs> the next two weeks are really going to be something else, I'm telling you. Some of you are new this morning and don't know what to expect. Some of you have come in here with a variety of emotions. I'm telling you, what you're going to hear this morning is going to hit you in many different ways. And let me encourage you to be patient and let God's Word do its work by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I just ask that you would do something significant this morning through your Word. I just ask that your grace would be with us. And what happens over the next few minutes would be significant. There's a lot of pain in here. And the words that they're about to hear may make them angry, stir them up. But I ask, Lord, by the time we're all said and done, something significant would have happened that would change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start by telling you an interesting prayer meeting that I read about. It happened about 50 years ago. There was this devastating drought in an area called the Delta. The entire season of the crops were in danger of being wiped out. And a lot of the local churches got together and they wanted to pray. So the farmers, they show up, they're wearing their overalls, they're ready to pray. And one farmer does not show up wearing overalls. He shows up wearing waiters. And his fellow farmers are looking at him funny and say, why, why are you wearing waiters? And he said, I don't want to walk home wet. And he didn't. And the rest did. This morning... I want to talk to you about expectant prayer, like to pray and expect your prayer to be answered in the way that you prayed. Last week, two weeks ago, we finished up Joshua. We're heading toward 1 Peter, but this morning we're taking a little break from going through books, and I want to share something that has struck me big time in reading Jesus' words in the book of John. In the book of John, in chapters 14 through 17, we have something called Jesus' farewell discourse, his parting words to his disciples. And there's some things that he repeats over and over again to them that I think he wants us to get, and it has to do with prayer. And just to make sure I'm not making this up and that you're reading the words just like I'm reading the words, I want to see what is he saying about prayer. And maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like he is asking us to ask of him significant things. So let's just look at this. He repeats it several times. Let's start with John 14. I hope you have the Bible open in front of you. If, if possible, it's the book of John. It's in the New Testament. 
the table of contents will tell you what page it's on. But I want to start with John 14 and look at verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now I want you to jump to chapter 15. Turn to chapter 15, verse 7. Verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Also in chapter 15, look at verse 16. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. One more time. John 16, verses 23 and 24. John 16, verses 23 and 24. In that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you'll receive so that your joy may be full. My job as a preacher is to simply just tell you what the text says. And I'm just going to lay it out boldly what I think Jesus is saying. You should expect answers to your prayers. I don't know how to read his words any other way. You should expect answers to your prayers. I mean, I'm not talking about being arrogant or pompous or presumptuous, but expectant. I don't know how to take his words the other way. And I'm not talking about God answering your prayers with a yes, no, or wait, but expecting your prayers to be answered the way that you pray them. Now, often we don't think like that. Maybe you pray, God doesn't answer, but you think, okay, it's still good you just prayed. Or maybe you pray one way and God doesn't do it that way, but you assume he wants to do it, do it better. But that's not what these verses are saying. <laughs> Jesus is saying you pray and then he's going to answer. That's the expectation. A great, famous Bible teacher, his name is R.A. Torrey, he puts it like this. I think in the context of these verses, he says this. The doctrine of prayer, according to the Bible, is there are certain people who can pray in a certain way and who will get not merely some good thing or something just as good as what they asked or something even better than what they asked, but they will get the very thing that they asked for. You should expect answers to your prayers. I know you got a lot of questions. Hold them. I'm hoping that this morning will stir you up and pump you up so, more, so much to pray that you just can't stand it. And I've given you an option on your sermon outline, you see that, where you can list three of your main prayer requests that you have in your life right now. And I'm hoping by the time we're done, you will have three things that you can put on there that you can start praying for in an expectant way. So that's where we're going to end. Before we get to the end, this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about these verses. 
And we're going to talk about prayer in these categories. We're going to talk about the condition, the goal, the hindrance, the disappointment, and the joy. The condition, the goal, the hindrance, the disappointment, and the joy. So let's start with the condition. Turn back to John 14. John 14. John 14, starting in verse 13. Jesus says, Whatever you ask in My name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask Me anything in My name, I will do it. It seems that the first condition of expectant prayer is that it must be in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name does not mean attaching Jesus' name at the end of your prayers. In Jesus' name, amen, magic poof. It's not what it's talking about. Praying in Jesus' name means praying in line with who He is and who His authority is, is to be, right? A person's name in the ancient world was often contained their character, who they were and what they were like. Even, even today, we can mention someone's name and their, their character comes to mind. When I say Hitler, you think about his character. Something comes to your mind. When I say Billy Graham, something, something comes to your mind. And that, that's what we're supposed to be thinking of here, that Jesus, as we approach Him, the Father, in Jesus' name, we're asking something consistent with the character and based upon His authority. That's the first condition. You got it? It has to be in Jesus' name, based upon His authority in line with His character. Well, the second condition, here's the second condition, is that the prayer must be related to the, to the work of God in your life and world has to be related to the work of God in your life and world. Because I guarantee you, some of you will turn on the TV and you will see certain preachers preaching these exact same verses, saying that you should pray this way and ask for big houses, nice cars, and perfect health. No, 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 no. That's an exploitation of these verses. The context is it's prayers asked in relation to his work. Let me give you another verse that's really going to blow your mind. Look at the verse before, in chapter 14, verse 12. Look at verse 12. In the context, wow, here's an amazing verse. Verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. What? This is true for all believers and all who believe. Jesus did great works while he was on this earth. He, he healed people. He worked a variety of miracles. He showed great compassion and love and disciple making. Now he's going to the Father and it says his disciples will do greater works than Jesus. <laughs> what does that mean? Greater works than Jesus. Well, maybe it's a reference to the extent. Jesus' work was narrowed to Israel and now we're spread all around the world. So maybe it's greater in extent. 
Or maybe it's, it's greater in clarity or power because Jesus' work was done on this side of the cross and the resurrection and now we are on the other side of the cross and the resurrection. And so we preach and we go out and we take the gospel and we have the full story. So maybe that's the greater that Jesus has in mind. I do not know, but I do know this. Jesus just said that you will continue the works that he has started. And the way those works will come about that he has started is they will come about through prayer. The works that Jesus wants you to do to extend his work in this world will come about through prayer. A famous saying uh, years ago was that WWJD bracelet everybody was wearing, what would Jesus do? Well, let's do a little bit of WWJP. What would Jesus pray? What would he have us to pray? We're taking the context here. We're praying in line with his authority, in line with his work. Then what kind of prayers are the prayers that Jesus is going to answer? Let's just do this. Outside, when you walked in, for those of you who are new, it says eat, love, pray. You might wonder what in the world is it all about. Eat, love, pray is basically this. We want to meet our neighbors, have them over for a meal, we want to love them, and then we want to pray for them. Basically, it means we want to have fellowship with them, and if they don't know Jesus, we want to share the gospel with them and continue to love them throughout the way. How about those of you who are engaged in eat, love, pray, say, Lord, give me, here's a prayer, give me the boldness and the power to share the gospel with clarity. Do you think Jesus wants to answer that prayer? Yes, I guess he does. For those of you who are not doing eat, love, pray, not engaging your neighbors, here's a prayer that you can pray. Lord, give me somebody to reach out to. Are those the kind of prayers that Jesus wants to answer? Yes, extending his work in this world. How about, Lord, give me some money so I can go on a mission trip? Or, Lord, make me bold in being aggressive in the way that I, I give generously with your money. Or, or, Lord, change my character. For me, it's like, Lord, make me patient with my family. <laughs> you think those are kinds of prayers he wants to answer? Yes, it's in line with his character and his name and his authority and his work in this world. You cannot miss the first condition of prayer. You've got to remember that. In line with Jesus' authority, in line with his character, in line with his work in this world. So far, so good? Well, let's move on to the goal. All right, so what's the goal? What's the point here? Look at verse 13, once again, of chapter 14. Verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. As the Father was glorified through the works of Jesus on this earth, so now the Father is glorified as you pray and continue the works of Jesus. Too many times we think that God is holding out on us, that somehow he doesn't want to answer our prayers, he's just holding out. But why would God be holding out? It brings him glory, and that's what Jesus is getting at here. Pray in line with who I am. The Father will answer it, and when he answers, he'll be glorified. And so if that's true, and you want to pray in line with Jesus, and you want the Father glorified, then we have to ask the question is that, huh, then how can I pray more prayers in line with Jesus, have them answered, and have the Father glorified? That's the question. So now turn to chapter 15. 
chapter 15. Chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. This is key. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Okay, okay. The context is fruit-bearing. We pray to bear fruit, and the fruit-bearing brings glory to God. And this fruit-bearing could be more converts. It could be extension of the Great Commission, more disciples. It could be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness flowing out of us. The idea is we pray for fruit and good works. God gives us what we pray for, and He's glorified. And the question you want to ask is, well, how can I pray more in line with fruit-bearing? Look again at verse 7. Chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Abiding in Jesus, His words abiding in you. What does it mean to abide in Jesus? It means to love Him, to obey Him, to pray, to seek His face, to keep following Him. But what does it mean to have His words abiding in you? It means having His Word, the Word of God, the Bible, permeating throughout your life, your mind, your thoughts, whether you're memorizing it. It's just the Word of God is guiding and directing you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you're abiding in Christ. His Word is abiding in you. And you pray, and it says your prayers are answered. And I am just asking you, not picking on you, asking you, are you praying these kind of prayers? Are you praying prayers in line with the work of God in this world and the authority of Jesus? Is His Word, His thoughts abiding in you and you're praying these kind of prayers? Or are most of your prayers about, Lord, please give us safe travels and bless this food? Nothing wrong with those prayers. Pray for your travel, pray for your food. But is there anything else that you're praying for? Is there any big expectations of God's work in your life and in the world that is driving you to the Father and pleading with Him to do a certain work in someone's life, a certain work on your block, a certain work in the village so that people know Christ, people grow in Christ, stuff starts to happen. Are you praying big prayers in line with where Jesus is pushing you? That's where you want to be. And so if you're not question is, and if you're not seeing these things happen in your life, you're like, okay, what, what's going on with me? What are some of the hindrances? You ever thought about that? Like, what is hindering my prayer? Sometimes you feel like your prayer goes up and the ceiling just swats it back down. What are some of the hindrances to prayer? Well, let's, let's consider that. Look at chapter 15 again. Chapter 15. Look at verse 16. Jesus says in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you. So far, so good. Nothing really new here. But once again, context is everything because the fruit has to do with loving one another. Look at verse 17. This I command you, that you love one another. Your asking and receiving is not disconnected from your loving and your living. Your asking and receiving is not disconnected from your loving 
and you're living. If you're not loving people, not perfectly, if you're not loving people, the Father is not going to answer your prayer. And let's even push it even further. The Apostle Peter picks this up and he applies it to husbands. Husbands, get ready to squirm. 1 Peter 3.7. Let me put this up for you. This is in the Bible. 1 Peter 3.7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Men, if you are harsh with your wives, God's not going to answer your prayers. Don't come in here and play all spiritual with us. God sees your interactions. God sees your irritability. God sees your harshness. Don't come in here and offer prayers and act like that's disconnected because your asking and receiving is not disconnected from your loving and living. It's all connected. And it's not just the way we treat others. It could also be like some secret stuff we got going on in our lives, right? Some, some sin because the Father also tells us in the Word of God that if we got stuff in our lives that we don't want to deal with and we want to come and want to pray, that can also be a hindrance. Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. <laughs> it's like you can be praying some big time prayers, but if you're living in habitual sin, it's going to get blocked between you and the Lord. Your life matters as it's part of your prayers. Prayer is connected with our lives. 1 Peter 3.12, 1 Peter 3.12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It's not that we're perfect. We're not perfect. But you know what I'm saying. You know when you got something in your life that you're not dealing with and you want to put on a spiritual face and you want to talk to the Lord. But just know God wants to deal with that. He wants to help you with that. He wants to bring you out of that. Because your asking and receiving is not disconnected from your loving and your living. It's all connected. And now we come to that part of the sermon that we've all experienced. And that has to do with the idea of disappointment. And I know that's what you were thinking at the very beginning when I said you should expect answers to your prayers. And you would say, well, let me tell you all the times God did not answer my prayers. And all of us have stories of disappointment where God did not answer our prayers. You've got to ask yourself, well, why does that happen? Why do some of our prayers not turn out the way that we ask them? And I just want to share a few thoughts with you from a guy who's taught me a lot. His name's Wayne Grudem on how we process these unanswered prayers. So let's, let's process this together, okay? Number one, God's timing is not always our timing, and we have to wait. Anybody a big fan of waiting? No. Two, not sure what to exactly pray for. You ever been like that? Need the Holy Spirit's help to help you pray? Number three, we don't pray according to God's will. Sometimes we just pray selfish prayers have nothing to do with God or His work. Number four, we don't ask in faith. And number five, we lock in on one solution when God has a better one. Are there any examples in the Bible of, of prayers that are not necessarily go the direction the person who prayed them? Any examples you can think of? Let me share this with you. In the garden, Gethsemane, 
Jesus is facing the cross. He's suffering in prayer and he's praying to the Father. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he says this, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I think that is a very appropriate disposition to pray. And everything we have, it's not, do not think it's a faith crusher. Have you ever heard people tell you that? Well, don't say, Lord, your will be done. You're just crushing your faith. No, it's not. It's not a faith crusher. You're letting the Father decide what he wants to do. What about the Apostle Paul? He had some afflictions. He had this thorn in his flesh, and we don't know what it is. And he asked God to remove it three times, and this is what God said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest on me. And it's at those times that God in His sovereignty, He chooses to go in a different direction in ways that I cannot understand or comprehend. And sometimes He bends my heart and your heart and your will and my will in a different direction to pray in a different direction. And so Paul, after three times, he went in a different direction. You just need to know that when you felt disappointed, that it didn't work out the way you wanted to work out, God is still working a plan. And you may never see the resolution or understand that plan on this earth, but I guarantee, brothers and sisters, when we are worshiping around the throne, it's all going to make sense. And until then, we trust. And we tremble, right? We tremble and we trust. And the last thing I want to share is just this joy of expectant prayer. John chapter 16 talks about that joy. Look at that. John 16. Verses 23 and 24, some joy here. <laughs> In that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, He will give it to you. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. Jesus Christ, perfect life, perfect death, perfect resurrection. Through faith in Him, we have access to the Father. And now, we can go to our Father who loves us through Christ, and He hears our prayers. And the Bible says that the Father gives good gifts to His children. God's not holding out. He's not giving you junk. He gives good gifts to His children. And sometimes we wonder, God, um, that wasn't a very good gift. And sometimes you may have to ask yourself, huh, does the way I understand good the same way God understands good? He gives good gifts to His children. He's not holding out. And He will answer you in your prayer many times exactly the way that you prayed, and you'll have joy as the Father answers your prayer the way that you prayed. Because he gives good gifts to his children, he's not holding out. And so I say boldly, I say boldly, even in the face of disappointment, you should expect answers to your prayers. Not in an arrogant way, not in a presumptuous way, not in a proud way, but going along with Jesus' words right here in line with his word, his authority, his glory, the joy he gives. Just keep going to him. Do not let those disappointments knock you down. 
Keep going to him. And you take these, these three things. I really want you to pick three things. I got two for sure I'm praying about, and I'm asking the Lord for the third. And if you don't even know what to pray for, say, Lord, show me what to pray for. And pick three and make a list. I know you, some of you have a list of like 100 things. When you get done with 100, focus on the three and come boldly. And do not let your disappointments of the past stop you. Keep coming to the Father. Do not be hesitant. Be bold. Don't let the disappointments or the unanswered prayers take you out of the prayer game, right? But keep praying. Keep swinging for the fences. I've heard uh, prayer explained like this. There's this, this guy you may have heard of. His name is Ty Cobb. He's an amazing baseball player. Ty Cobb, amazing baseball player. For those of you who are younger in here, don't know who that is. Uh, he hit 367 during his career. And when he was in his 70s, he was like at an old-timers event. And a reporter asked him, hey, Ty Cobb, if you played today, you know, what do you think you would hit? What do you think you would hit if you played today? And he said, well, if I played today, I'd, I'd probably hit about 310 or, or 315. And the reporter said, oh, you mean if you played today, you'd hit 310 and 3, 315 because maybe all that travel and all the night games and the artificial turf or the new pitcher, pitches like the slider? He said, no, 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 no. If I played today, I'd only hit 310 or 315 because I'm 72 years old. That's a good mentality right there. She says, keep on swinging. Keep on swinging. Keep an intimate fellowship with your father sometimes. Get on base. Just keep on swinging and come expectantly. See what God will do. Come to your father who gives good gifts because he loves his children. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.